thank you for uh, listening to that request. I have another request um, for this morning. I know, just so demanding. I'm going to request that you please don't uh, catch any Pokemon while I'm talking. That's just a little request. Confession time, how many people play Pokemon Go? Have a look around the room. Wow. Oh, my hand is not up, by the way. That, um, if, if you don't know what it is, it's this, uh, hopefully you would have heard about Pokemon, the original games, TV show, whole world from the 90s. It's made this resurgence from this uh, smartphone app game where you go around and you go to physical locations and you go and catch pets, <laughs> I guess, and battle them against other people. So it's this huge thing. It's taken off worldwide, and um, especially in New Zealand, it seems to be this huge thing. Um, the interesting thing with it is that it's not just a kid's game. It seems to be kind of the people in the the 20-ish somethings who are like reliving their childhood, right? It's like this nostalgia of like, oh, I grew up with this and now I get to do it all over again. I, um, I read an article the other day that because of this thing has blown up so much worldwide that um, the, some of the original just collector cards have skyrocketed in value. There's some rare ones which uh, sold for 30,000 um, and even rarer one, one which went for 100,000. So, you know, if you've got some of these from back in the day, go check it out, because you might be sitting on a gold mine. But it's just this fascinating thing that's happened with this whole game. It seems to be like our whole young adults group seems to be playing it, which is a bit weird. Um, but <laughs> it's kind of this, it goes along with this, this trend where the distinction between what's kind of for adults and what's for kids is getting a bit blurrier, you know, that distinction? It reminds me of another uh, internet trend. Um, it's actually a word that has emerged um, called adulting. It's, I don't know if you've seen this used on the internet anywhere. Adulting. It's turned the word, the noun, adult, into a verb. So adulting. I went to the reliable source of uh, urbandictionary.com um, to give you a definition to, to just to see how it's used. So adulting is... To do grown-up things and hold responsibilities, such as a 9-to-5 job, a mortgage slash rent, a car payment, or anything else that makes one think of grown-ups. Used in a sentence, Jane is adulting quite well today, as she is on time for work promptly at 8 a.m. and appears well-groomed. Probably more revealing, though, is the second definition of adulting, which is being a responsible adult used by immature 20-somethings who are proud of themselves for paying a bill. <laughs> used an example. So tired from adulting, I went to my 8-to-5 job today. Look at me. <laughs> so, <laughs> but all this does, it reflects this whole thing that the distinction... When, do, when does somebody become an adult? It's changing. I think um, the stats say that people are getting married later in life. And I have to acknowledge this for Susie because she's here. Yes, I'm part of the stats and that, so no smart comments from you. Um, people are having their first kid later in life. Sorry, just shoelace issue here. Yeah, thank you. Health and safety. But when, when you think of, if, if you're a teenager, maybe when you think of being an adult, you think of um, all these freedoms that you have, right? I'll get to drive my car whenever I want. I'll get to have my own house and just, you know, paint it whatever color I like. 
um, I can, you know, stay up late and eat everything. Um, but if, <laughs> if you're an adult, what, what, what's your understanding of a grown-up life? It's more like paying bills, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and doing the responsible thing. And, and probably because of that, when we hear um, words like maturity or growing up, it's, um, it's hard to get excited about it sometimes. Kind of like, okay, do the dishes, eat my veggies, that's growing up. Today we're going to be looking at the same thing, this whole distinction of where, what does it mean to grow up, but from a faith perspective. As Christians, what does it mean to grow from a young Christian into a fully-fledged, flourishing Christian? And I've pinched a phrase from uh, John Wimber, who was one of the founding members of the Vineyard Movement, um, which is, growing up before you grow old. That's, that's the title of today's talk. And <laughs> I like what Pete Mantis said at the door today. He was like, oh, it's too late for me. <laughs> it's not. It's not. Um, and I just want to start by saying that I'm, I'm talking from a place of, of being on this journey as well. I'm not saying, look, I've got this sorted. Let me tell you how it goes, okay? So um, I just wanted to get that clear. And I'm glad I didn't hear any amens. Cause <laughs> so we've been partway through a, a series on doing life together. It's been a series on looking at relationships and how we travel along this path of life together and what that means, some of the good things that come from it, but also navigating the tricky parts of being around other people. In the Bible, Paul recognized that if, if we are doing life together, if we are journeying with other people, and especially with God's gathered people, if we're doing that in a way that's healthy, then what actually happens is that we get changed in the process. Part of the goal of doing life together is reaching this full stage of maturity in God. So I just want to uh, read from Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verses 11 to 15. If you have a Bible with you, um, grab that or on your phone. This is how it goes. This is the Apostle Paul writing. He says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we'll no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. Sounds pretty cool, right? So it's, he starts at this thing of unity, this thing of life together, but moves towards this, this is what happens to us. We, we grow. We become mature. So that's what we're going to explore today. Um, but why don't we pray before we carry on? God, I thank you that we do get to share this uh, space together, that it's not just about this hour and a bit we get on a Sunday, but we are journeying together. We do get to share in this life. And I pray this morning, God, that you would use, use my words, use your word of uh, scripture to speak to us truth this morning. I pray that it would just 
it, it would not just be information, but God, you, your spirit would rest here and it would call us forward into something new, something more of you, God. Amen. Amen. So, first thing, the Apostle Paul describes the maturing process as a, as a gradual process, one that happens over time. He, in that passage I just read it, he talks about becoming mature, and this is something that we grow into. And there's lots of different pictures of uh, maturity and, and growth in the Bible, um, which we'll, we'll take a look at a couple of them today. But one of them is this thing of walking. Um, in, in the start of this chapter, Ephesians chapter 4, um, Paul, Paul starts by saying, I, I urge you to live in a manner worthy of your calling. This is him writing to the church. But the interesting thing is that the, the word to live to live in a manner worthy, the literal translation, it also means to walk in a manner worthy. That, that word that we get for live, it also is, has its roots in walking. And, and this is something that Paul uses a bunch of times. I think throughout his letters, it's 32 times he uses this imagery of walking um, for growing up as a Christian. Um, and there's a couple of reasons for this. Um, the first is that walking is... It's a gradual and steady process. Um, this, this journey to maturity has sometimes been described as a, a long, steady journey in the same direction. It's that faithfulness, the ongoing part of it. Now, in the West, um, we're not big fans of slow and steady. It's not our preferred uh, way of being. Um, and you can even notice that if, you go, if you've traveled around, um, one of the indicators of just what sort of lifestyle people have in a particular city is how fast they walk around. Um, you might notice it being slightly different here on the coast than if you go into the central city. Um, just the, the kind of pressures that people are dealing with or the, the stress or the pace that they're living with means that they're actually legging it to get from one place to another. But Paul uses this um, imagery of, of walking. He's, he's saying it's not, it's not like a sprint. Or it's not like a pole vault where you just kind of launch into these like huge leaps of, of growth. We can often hope that um, sermons and, and messages that we hear um, can be just kind of like, it gives us exactly what we need to propel us into the next level. Or it might be that we, we hope that we can go and get that little bit of advice, that little bit of information, and that's going to be the key, and it's just going to unlock everything instantly. It's kind of... I, I describe it as like the spray and walk away kind of solution. You know, we just want a one-off like blast and it's like, yeah, okay, there we go. Um, it might be like, I, I've got all these financial problems from, from years of debt that's accumulated and I want to find a way out of this hole that I'm in. And then you might go to your pastor and say, oh, do you have, do you have a teaching that will sort me out by tomorrow? <laughs> And it doesn't quite work like that. Or it might be, you know, I've got this relationship that I'm in, and I've noticed that there's just these patterns of dysfunction, and it's, it's not working, and I seem to be coming back to the same place. Um, but I need it to be made right really quickly. So could we just do a counseling session, and then we'll have it sorted? It, it just, Paul is saying that life doesn't work like that, that growth doesn't work like that. It's the slow, repeated steady actions where maturity comes from. 
and sometimes it can feel a little bit, a little bit boring, a little bit mundane, but this is where change, lasting change happens. Anything, anything worthwhile that we can grow in, that we can learn, comes through this way. If you think about learning an instrument, learning a language, um, getting more physically healthy, it's all done in this way. Because the thing about sprints or kind of leaping from one level to the next, it's, it's exhausting. It uses a lot of energy, and it's not sustainable in the long run. And the transformation that God wants for us, that he's calling us into, is lasting change. It's change that leaves us whole rather than depleting us. And there's nothing against those, those kind of big moments where, where God will kind of, you know, zap us or do something that, um, that is shocking. I mean, I, I know for a lot of us, maybe our experiences at the Vineyard Conference where we've just been, you might have had like a big download from, from God or something where you realize something has changed for, for the better and for good. And those are often really helpful for kind of sharp changes in our tra trajectory. But all I'm saying, and all that I think Paul is saying, is that that's not where the lasting change happens. Those are helpful turning points. But it's the faithfulness of walking that out in a gradual way, in a committed way, where lasting change happens. And you might be thinking, I thought this was supposed to happen before I grow old. <laughs> well, I thought this was going to be quick. Um, and the key thing to... The, the key point about this is that it's not just about time passing. It's uh, walking, that, that whole image, it's not just saying, I'm going to stand in this spot and wait until um, you know, some time passes and then I'll get to my destination. It's actually saying there's a deliberate intent to put one foot in front of the other and do that on a daily basis. So if you want to do this, one of the best things, if you want to just find a way to get started, one of the best things is just committing to daily time with God. And it's probably something that you hear about a lot, but it is the best investment that you can make. Um, it, it might be reading your Bible, spending, spending time that way. It might be spending some time in worship or going for a walk on the beach and talking to God. But committing to doing that daily is the best thing. And, and it will it will pay off for you. Sometimes you have to take action as well to build that into your habit loop. You know, we, we train by habit as people. And so you might need to, you know, set an alarm, give yourself a little chocolate afterwards or something, you know, kind of give yourself a little treat. Um, but these are, these are things that kind of sound silly, but this is a practical thing of building habit and doing that in a, in a way that's ongoing. Okay, so that's, the, the gradual ongoing part of that walking image. But the other thing that uh, I think comes out of this uh, um, image of walking is that walking styles are quite distinctive. I, d I don't know if you've noticed this. If you know your friends quite well or people in your family, sometimes you can see them ages away in the distance and you can just tell by the way they walk, oh, that's John or that's Liam. Have you noticed that? Yeah, well, sometimes it can be really dark and you just see their silhouette. You can just tell by the way they walk. You're like, I know who that is. Sometimes even with parents and children, you notice they kind of walk in the same way and you're like, oh, that's one of them. <laughs> sometimes it's with style and sometimes that's unique. Um, <laughs> but I think this imagery holds up. This is what Paul's trying to communicate to us as well is that 
uh, the way we walk as Christians, it's something that we should be recognized by. There's a distinctiveness to that that's different to the way that other people choose to walk. And I know we talk, we talk a lot about wanting to live life in a way that is in our culture, that is um, accessible to people, and those are really important things. But we also don't want to lose the contrast that, that is part of living the Christian life. Because people, in the end, aren't changed by sameness. They're, they're changed by encountering difference, a different hope, a different way of doing life. Um, I, had, I had a friend who was, uh, you know, he was a good guy. Um, we had mutual friends. He still is a good guy. Um, and he was, he was just big into his party scene and, and everything. And so he had a lot of friends who, like, that was their bread and butter for every weekend, kind of go to the, go to the club, go, or go to someone's house and um, drink the weekend away. Um, and after a while of doing this, he kind of um, was getting a little bit jaded by it all. Um, he, he came away for a weekend with some of my um, friends who were, who were Christians. Um, and it wasn't so much about any of the, that stuff, but it was more what he said after that weekend. He was like, this is really weird to be in a group of people who um, actually care about each other and who want to share their stuff with each other and are listening to what each other says. And it was stuff we hadn't even thought about, you know? It was just like, that's, that's what being a person is. <laughs> um, but he was like, this is really weird. Um, I want to learn more about this. And so he started coming to church, and he became a Christian, and he's led youth camps, and he's getting married in a couple of weeks, which is pretty cool too. Um, but his, his life was transformed just from seeing a different way of doing life. Um, so don't lose that distinctiveness. Um, don't, don't be afraid of being different to the world that you're in. We should be more than just an echo of the popular opinions or behaviors around us. A lot of the time, that means, you know, taking, taking some kind of risk, a stepping out in risk. And we talk about that with faith and risk being equivalent. Um, I love those stories where you hear people uh, just taking, taking a punt on something, whether it's hearing a word from God for somebody and sharing that, um, or just, you know, going and offering to pray for somebody. How many people here um, know who Ben McGregor is? few of you. Um, if you were at conference, um, he did an elective. He's uh, a guy, young guy, what is he, tw 20? Um, and he's um, from, the, from Grace Vineyard in Christchurch. And he's just got this amazing gift for sharing Jesus with people everywhere he goes. Um, and uh, I remember, uh, I think it was for a church planting course. I went down there and I was with another uh, friend from the vineyard, and he was just asking Ben McGregor, this guy who's got this gift, like, so how does this work? Like, what do you say to people that, uh, that seems to be so effective? And Ben was just telling him for a while, and he said, oh, look, just come with me. And they went outside and went into the street, talked to the first guy they met, and um, he gave his life to the Lord on the spot. And it was just like, and my friend who was with him was just like, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> how, how does this work? But I think... Uh, Ben gave a, uh, an elective session, and he did some teaching on this. And I think what's so contagious is that he's, he's not afraid of just stepping out and taking some risks. And he says it's still, it's still scary for him. It's still unknown. But he, he's just made that choice over and over again. And I love hearing those stories of that happening. 
in, in some way, our national conference, um, it, was, it was like that. We, uh, it was one of the things I told people about the fun part of being at an event like that, is that if on the first night you're like, I feel like I should pray for somebody, uh, but I'm a bit too scared. <laughs> oh, the moment's gone. Then you get another chance the next morning. And then you might be like, oh, I almost got there, but um, no, not quite that time. And then that afternoon, and then by the, by the next evening, you might think, oh, okay, I'll step out and pray for somebody. And I actually got to see that happen with a bunch of our people, um, some of our young adults too, just kind of taking these gradual steps and um, hearing awesome stories from that. So I just want to encourage you, if that has been your experience, that you felt like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm ready for this, but you've taken a step in faith, to keep doing that. Because it's not just at conference that we get opportunities like that. It's all the time. Okay, so maturity, it's like a walk. It's gradual and it's steady and it's also distinctive. There's something different to the world around us in the way that we walk. But it doesn't mean that this whole journey is easy. Uh, you know, this picture of a walk, it makes it sound like a bit of a cruise, like... Um, like walking around the Oriwa estuary, you know, like it's mostly flat. Oh, there's a bit of a hill. Oh, that was 30 seconds and I'm back to flat. Um, but I think of this walk as more like a rugged bush walk out in the Waitakere's. It's, you know, it's got, it's got ups and downs. It's got challenges. It's this image. It's not saying that everything is going to be easy because maturity comes through struggle. The, the real time that we see where people are at with their maturity is not when it's plain sailing. It's when there's times of trouble, there's times of stress, there's times of uncertainty or pain or pressure. Um, it's like this saying, I'm not sure if you've heard it. Um, it goes, you can always tell what's in a person by what comes out when they're squeezed. Which is pretty graphic. Uh, <laughs> but... <laughs> When you first meet people, right, they all seem like they're really nice. They've got it all together. Um, we're quite good at this at church. You know, oh, yeah, cool. How's your weekend? Yeah, good. How's your mom? Good. All right. And then, uh, then as you get to know them and you see them in a situation where they're under pressure or they're stressed, that's when kind of the stuff starts to come out. You're like, oh, I didn't know that was there. I mean, have you ever, have you ever felt like you've been in a position where you've been, you've been squeezed? And there's stuff that's come out of yourself that you're just like, oh, okay, I don't know if that's who I want to be. So some of the positions that we can be in that can put pressure on us, you know, it, can be, it can be work. You could, be, you could feel like you're in this dead-end job and you've got this horrible work atmosphere and, and the work is overly demanding. Um, but at the same time, you know that it's the only option you've got right now and you've got to put food on the table. That's a, that's a squeeze, and that can take a demand on us. It can be people that we know who are really close to us, and they're living in a way, and it's really hurting them, and they're, they're damaging themselves, but they've kind of chosen to be cold and unresponsive to you. That can be a squeeze on you. That can put pressure on you. It can be all sorts of relational breakdown. And so this thing of walking in maturity, walk, growing in maturity, it doesn't mean that these things go away. Jesus actually promised that we would come up against trouble uh, in this world. One of the other images, uh, as, as well as walking, um, that we see for, for growth um, is the, 
the image of a seed in, this, in the ground, right? Of, of actual botanical growth. Um, it's a picture that's used over and over again. And Jesus told this parable of the sower, which is um, seed which was scattered into different types of soil, which was representing the different conditions of our hearts. The, the seed being the God's word, God's good news. And then depending on the condition, it either flourished or it died. So I'll, I'll just read a little bit out of that um, from Mark chapter 4, um, verses 5 to 6. I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but just for the rocky places, this is what it says. Some fell on rocky places. That's some of the seed where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. And Jesus later on in verses 16 and 17 explains what that means. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only for a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. This is a, this is a picture, again, of the kind of conditions that we can be in. Um, this is talking about trouble coming because of knowing the word. But he, he talks about when trouble comes, not if trouble comes. This is going to be part of the mix for us. And immature people, when trouble comes, they tend to do a few things. They tend to, to blame other people, to, to shrink back in fear. Sometimes immature people will choose just to quit altogether um, when tough stuff comes up. It's easy for us to think, okay, I'm coming up against some obstacles here, so I must be doing something wrong. Or, it, you know, it just shouldn't be this hard. I, I liked it better when I was back at square one. Or if we're dealing with people, we can just say, you know, if that's how you're going to be, you can just deal with your own stuff and I'm out. Does it sound familiar at all? But from our experience, we know that, that that kind of way of living doesn't lead to life. It, it places strain on other people. So what do we do then if we're encountering struggle, if this is part of our journey that we go through? Well, I want to give you a pretty broad definition um, of biblical maturity as well. Uh, well, at least one aspect of it. And that's, that's being content in any and every situation. Let me read you another um, scripture from Paul. This is from Philippians 4, verses 12 to 13. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And for him, this wasn't just theory. Like He had gone through a whole bunch. He got chucked in prison. But there's stories that we find in the Bible of him, even when he is in prison, singing songs of praise to God, singing hymns of praise that would resound through this prison. And a lot of his letters he wrote from there. So when we hear this word of being content, it's not just talking about like a general pleasantness of life um, or just kind of settling for a low, low level of um, expectation on what life should be. It's talking about maturity being some, a place where we can live independently of our external circumstances, where our joy isn't dependent on those external circumstances. It sounds pretty easy, but 
it's not. <laughs> um, if we try and ground this in some examples, this whole idea of our joy not being uh, reliant on external circumstances, it means our happiness, it's not determined by whether or not the, the All Blacks win, as an example, which I know is hard to imagine because it so, happens so rarely. Um, and even though I kind of like make a joke about it, um, there, is, there is actually a troubling trend between the All Blacks losing and domestic violence in New Zealand. Um, and what that is, is it's this kind of immaturity. It's saying I, the things, things haven't gone the way I wanted them to go. I feel like I've lost control, and so I have to react. It means that our happiness, it doesn't depend on us getting rich or getting, getting by comfortably. It doesn't depend on us having the perfect job where it's, you know, it pays well, we're doing exactly what we want, we get lots of holidays. It doesn't even depend on us having a job at all. Paul is saying that the mature way to live is to not let our dissatisfactions hold us back. That those external things, we learn how to hold on to our joy in God despite them. Okay, so what's the question that we usually ask when we're experiencing trouble or these kind of struggles that we encounter in life? Why? Yeah, but that's usually our go-to question is, why is this happening to me? Why, what, <laughs> why, is, why am I experiencing this stress? What did I do wrong? We can go searching for, uh, for different reasons, and we can actually get pretty creative in our reasons as well that we come up with, you know? I, I, I lost my soccer match because I didn't tithe this week or something like that. Or, you know, these crazy links that we can come up with. And part of it, I think, is this desire for control that we have. We just want to know, God, why is this happening? But can I suggest a better question to ask rather than why? A better question to ask is, God, how do you want me to respond? How do you want me to respond in this situation? Instead of, why, why this disease, or why this family crisis, or why this redundancy now when we need to have that income? It's, Lord, how do you want me to respond here in this particular set of circumstances? And you know what? God promises to answer that prayer. He won't always tell you the why of what, what's happening. He won't tell you why things are going on. But he promises to answer prayer for, for wisdom on what to do. Um, this is from James chapter 1, verses 5 to 8. It says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So, you, you ask God for wisdom, but you have to be wholeheartedly ready to listen to what He has to say. And so, I like to, I tell people that it's a very dangerous prayer to pray. <laughs> to say, God, what do you want me to do? Um, it's dangerous for your comfort. It's dangerous for the, the life that you think that was best for you. But it's the best prayer you can pray. God, what do you want me to do? Give me wisdom. We're saying that today. A, a mature Christian asks God for wisdom 
and acts on it wholeheartedly. Um, sometimes we can give God conditions when we ask Him about stuff, like, God, just show me what career path it is. Is it A, B, or C? Um, but I'm, I'm willing to listen as long as it's C, which pays better, you know? <laughs> or, you know, what do you want me to do in this, in this broken-down relationship? Um, I, I'm willing to do anything as long as I don't have to apologize. We can attach these conditions to it. Um, and that's, that's not maturity. That's not the way into a growth that God has for us. Um, part, of, part of my story and, and coming to be part of, of Coast was actually um, kind of a, a decision to pray into this and, um, and listen to what God had to say. I, I, at the time, was teed up to do this um, training program that I'd signed up for, um, and I was quite intent on it. I got um, talking to Madden Jacinda and heard a bit about about Coast, and um, they said, oh, is this something that you'd want to be part of? Just go and pray f- pray about it. And I thought, okay, <laughs> sweet, <laughs> I will. Um, and I went away and I prayed about it. And over the course of a month, I just realized that God was repeatedly saying to me, this is, this is something that you need to do, that you're called to. Um, and please don't hear that like I reluctant, reluctantly came kicking and screaming. It wasn't like that. It was just that this was, this was something that I knew nothing about. I was from a different part of Auckland, um, and I thought that I had the best path chosen. But God said to me over this time of praying about it, this is, wh- this is where I'm calling you. This is what you need to do. And so I was kind of in this place where I was like, mm, should I, shouldn't I? But I knew that this is what God had invited me into. And um, now I get to be here with you guys. <laughs> And, and I'm so happy when I look back at the last couple of years and thinking I, I could have chosen a path that um, none of this exciting adventure would have been part of my story. But God, God knew better. Um, and for me, it meant saying goodbye to some friends and uh, places that I knew really well. Um, but it's, it's honestly been the, the right thing. Um, and I just want to encourage you that when you hear about this thing of living in a life of maturity or listening to God's voice, we're not signing up for a, a boring life. That's, that's not what we're signing up for. It's going to be different for all of us. But if you're willing to listen to God, He will call you into things that you haven't even imagined yet, that you don't know are possibilities. And He will do this um, for all of us. So are you, are you willing to uh, ask God for wisdom? Are you willing to trust Him with, uh, with the decisions that you have to make. So growing up before you grow old, it's all about this gradual process of maturity where we're learning to trust God through lots of different ways. It's, it's important to note as well that I'm, I'm talking not about a, you know, getting the behaviors right in place. It's not this outside-in transformation, but we're talking about an an internal character change that's then reflected into the way that we do life. So please don't hear this as, okay, you need to just go and sort yourself out, and then you'll become mature. This is something that, that God does. He gives us His Spirit to do. It's an internal change that then is lived out in our life. I just want to um, share something with you uh, it's, it's a story from uh, my nana who has actually passed away. But um, when I was thinking about this thing of maturity and growing up before you grow old, 
Um, one of the things about walking in this life, uh, in this Christian life, close to God, being willing to listen to His voice, is that it changes us. This is, this is the hope that I have, that um, where I am now isn't where I'm going to be in 10, 20, 30 years, but that he, God is going to change me from the process of knowing Him. And I got to see this in a really amazing way with, um, with my nana, who um, had um, actually come to be a Christian later on in life, but just went after Him with everything she had. Um, and when she was kind of uh, in her final stages of life, uh, she grew quite weak, and she was um, in a, you know, in a bed. Um, and she was, uh, when she was quite weak, she was saying a lot of things. And um, you know, I think as uh, a family, you're, you can be quite nervous at that time. You don't know what they're going to say. Um, it could be anything. But what Nana was saying was all of these just praises to God and just telling of His goodness. And she was hardly hardly conscious, but it was just like this stream that came out of her. And what it was, it was from years and years of this faithful walk, and it had changed her character to her very core, to the point where she couldn't wait to see God face to face. Um, and even though I've talked about growing up before you grow old, um, we are growing old <laughs> at the same time. Um, and I really aspire to be like her in that aspect. And sure, she wasn't perfect, but she got, when she got to the end of the, her life, she had been changed. And what my, um, what my uncle did, he wrote down in a little notebook all of these things that she was saying um, over her kind of last week of, of being alive. Um, and my brother, who's quite a clever guy, he's a musician, he, he turned it into a song. Um, and uh, my brother and I and my younger sister, um, we sang this song at her funeral, which is kind of like, you know, tearjerker central, but um, it's like all of the elements. But it was just such a, you know those moments where you're like, this is a holy moment. Um, and so I've got the lyrics of the word, oh, lyrics of the song up here, and I'll read it for you just because it's a bit hard to read. This, these are her words um, in her last stages of life. May the last words on my lips be, praise you, O God is good. My life anticipates the day I'll see your face. On the last day of my life here, I'll see you, I'll see you. Although I've let him down, never has my Savior failed. He is faithful till the end, from my waking to the final hour. I'm filled, I'm filled to overflowing with him who died for me. My peace is found in simply knowing I'm yours forevermore. And I'm like, I want to be like that at the end of my life. I want those to be the words that are flowing out of me. And that's not going to happen just by chance, it's going to happen from those daily steps of saying, God, I want to follow you. I want the life that you have. I want to have that contrasting life that you offer. Even if the struggles come, she says, although I've let him down, my, never has my Savior failed. I want that to be the truth of my life as well. And so I think this is what God's calling us into, this, this ongoing journey. And so I want to say to you today, if you kind of feel like man, I've been doing this for a while and I don't seem like I've made the progress that I thought I would, um, be encouraged. It's a gradual journey. It doesn't happen straight away. If you are just getting started and you're kind of like, man, I've got so long to go before I can be effective, um, it's, it's not the case. It's not necessarily that you have to grow till you're at that stage before you, 
God will plant things of his character in you. It's both of these things that we hold in tension, that it does take time, yes, but it's not just something that you wait for and you have to get to your um, older stage in life to, to experience it. 